Video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to Hello, watch it. Hello, my name is Justin McClure, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And we're coming live from Bay Street Video to go through all the DVDs and Blu-rays that were released this week. Big, big week, week today. Big week. <laughs> is it going to be a big week every week? It's going to be a big week every week. I'm promising you that. <laughs> because first off, we have a title everyone's been requesting. Oh my God, we were the phone was ringing off the hook from 10 a.m. Tuesday morning. Flesh Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> what is Flesh Gordon? Are you aware of this? I've been I, weirdly aware for a long time about this picture. I can't say I've actually seen Flesh Gordon. Me neither. Although I believe when it was on TV when I was like really young and I was taping a lot of movies off TV. I thought that they was... And I had was... it taped off TV. It was like a late night sort of like mm-hmm. showcase type situation. Oh, because if it was on showcase, <laughs> there would have like been that. the nudity. Because I could have yeah, sworn yeah, yeah. there was some hardcore stuff in it, but maybe that's just in my imagination. I'm not, again, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure. I don't think so, though. I think it's more like a softcore yeah. porn parody of Flash Gordon, obviously. Because I know there was a sequel, uh, Flesh Gordon and the Intergalactic Cheerleaders. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that one was a bigger budget, more like Zucker Brothers style comedy, yeah. while the original one looks like kind of grainy and 16 millimeter. Yeah. And there's actually a... Um, like uh, stop motion puppets done by yep. Dave Allen, who was a real famous guy. Yeah, so it's actually become a pretty like mm-hmm. requested cult curiosity. And it's been out of print for ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And only uh, and yeah, put out by a company called Hen's Tooth, mm-hmm. which doesn't put out a ton of releases, but do have a few kind of classic cult stuff that they <laughs> yeah. decide to you know dole out on Blu-ray every once in a while. And probably the other giant release of this week is Apocalypse Now: The Final Cut. The Final Cut. Yeah. Uh, How put- many more cuts? Of this movie. Yeah. Put it on your shelf beside Oliver Stone's. Yeah, yeah Alexander. <laughs> Alexander Spinal Cut. Yeah, there we go. And Two this... masterworks side by side. <laughs> and this is like the comprehensive edition. Yeah. It has everything. The Final Cut, the Redux, yep. the theatrical version, all the special yep. features, the commentaries. Darkness is on there. Yeah, and this is one that is only available in 4K UHD, which does come with a Blu-ray and a DVD, yeah. I believe. So it is kind of like, it's a six-disc combo mm-hmm. pack situation. So usually UHD 4Ks are their own thing, but for this release they've put two UHD discs of all the cuts, two Blu-ray discs of all the cuts, and then two more Blu-rays of like Hearts of Darkness and all the special features. Are the companies going to start doing this? Are they going to start know. packaging things with 4K? Because that happened during the Blu-ray era, That's where they the stopped thing. putting special features on, yeah. on, on DVDs. And yeah. I was like, no! And they were going towards the combo pack thing. Yep. I th- I wouldn't be surprised if for at least some more classic titles mm-hmm. they start doing that. Because with this, I mean, it's already been flying off the shelf. And a lot of people who definitely don't own UHD players and never bought a UHD before mm-hmm. are gonna are buying this and excited to buy it yeah. at 50 bucks just because they want this package. Yeah. They'll just watch the Blu-rays. And if you upgrade to a UHD player, then great. I don't even have a UHD me, player. Me either. I don't either. <laughs> I hear it's really crisp, though. Yep. Um, so, back on the cult stuff. V, the original miniseries from Warner Archives, is out. Right, This right. is one that I never saw, and it's like the iconography I would always see on the internet. I know. like, they eat a gerbil at one point, <laughs> yeah, and there's exactly. all, like, the friendly alien stuff. Yeah. V being a series where aliens come down to Earth, and they seem nice, but, uh-oh, they're actually lizard people, yeah, oh, including... No. Um, Robert Englund, who's yep. giving a uh, mentally handicapped performance as his character. Yeah, ah, the 80s. <laughs> but this has been only available on, like, Snapper Case DVDs for the longest time. So oh, yeah. Uh, have, have these ones been flying off the shelf? They have, actually. It's got, uh, it's definitely got a big fan base in terms of 80s miniseries. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of miniseries from that era that I think grew kind of a cult fan base, but this one in particular, and obviously spawned a series, and then yeah. another movie, and then, like, a remake series Yeah, I forgot on. that remake series they came out. 
two years ago. I know, Did it last only one season? Yeah, it got canceled really fast. <laughs> I put this in the classic section because I don't even know what it is, but Skateboard from 1978. Yeah, this is a bit of a, just a weird one. Shows up out of nowhere. So... Strange company called Liberation Hall. Yeah, so in. when you see, like, movies that you don't know from yeah. companies that you don't know, yeah. like, what prompts the purchase? Do you well, go? Well, I look in to see what the movie is, and mm-hmm. Skateboard is a 1978 comedy of sorts with Leif Garrett, 70s teen Ooh, idol. Leif Garrett. <laughs> He's and, bad. You know, it's got kind of an animal housey looking rip-off cover, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's just about a bunch of skate kids. Um, uh, like, really me, early in the skate kid yeah. uh, kind of, um, I guess, phenomenon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and th- yeah, for something like this, I would just kind of look it up. I would do some research, look on Amazon, look on the company's website, see what this movie is, first of all, mm-hmm. if it's got any sort of appeal and for something like this, it's got sort of a cult appeal for our uh, for our crowd. The price is like fairly reasonable, mm-hmm. and you know it doesn't. It's not a bootleg. I'll look to see if it's like, is this a bootleg? Yeah, or not. the it's cheesy an, it's flicks leg- release. Yeah, <laughs> and we do bring in cheesy flicks yeah, you too, do. <laughs> but because they're really cheap, and you know whatever, we like that it's stuff too. Interesting that it's actually a drama. I think it, yeah, the cover is like a goofy <laughs> Animal House, like everyone's yeah. drawn on. But doing a little bit of research on it, it's like I just want to document this scene and. Exactly. Tell a dramatic right. story. And the DVD is actually packed, which is weird because I looked on their website. I could find no information yeah, about it. <laughs> They're very underground. Um, but it's a cool release. You know, it's it's a company. Certain companies are keeping the DVD mm-hmm. only kind of thing alive for smaller, weirder, kind of obscure movies like this. And I think that's important, too. I think that a lot of companies go, we don't have a new master, so why would yeah. we release it on a Blu-ray? Right. And DVDs are much cheaper to make exactly. as well. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So I'm okay with a DVD like this on my shelf. I don't really think many people need a Blu-ray. So. Uh, speaking of stuff that appeared on a million public domain DVDs, The Leech Woman, yeah. which is one of those kind of, um, I guess, bargain bid monster movies, usually made by independent companies. I'm not sure who made this one, but Shout Factory uh, jumped on the bandwagon, and they've been doing a lot of them because they did The Alligator People, yep. they did The Wasp Woman, which is a Roger Corman film group picture, yep. and I think they have a whole bunch more lined up as oh, well. Man. Yeah, they can't stop putting these out, honestly. <laughs> we get like one or two uh, and they sell every month, yeah. Yeah, and I know they got the rights to some older box sets mm-hmm. of creature feature stuff, like the classic sci-fi creature features that I think Universal put out at one point way back when. It's just these movies but, are mostly available in really crummy versions. Yeah, absolutely. And you know that with Shout Factory, uh, they probably either did a new master or they yep. found an international master that they could bring in. And all of these films, they've been going out of their way to make them like the definitive edition. Yeah. Because like here you have an audio commentary with the king of these monster movie commentaries, Tom Weaver, mm-hmm. uh, another Another film historian, Alan K. Road, and even an audio interview with the star Colleen Gray. Oh yeah, they're all they're all packed. And mm-hmm. I'm not as familiar with these films, uh, but I know that for people who grew up in this time, they really left an impression. So much so that they do sell regularly to the same people. They will all come in and they will buy the next creature feature or low budget kind of monster movie that they're putting out because they saw it on TV when they were kids. Yeah, they played an endless kind of and cycles. It really, and they're, they're, everybody comes up like, I know this is ridiculous but I gotta have this. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> no, Do you get a lot of that if someone's like, uh, listen, I just want to buy this. All the time. <laughs> it's like, dude, you don't have to worry. <laughs> I used to think about that when I worked at Indigo. I was like, are people going to be embarrassed by the books that they buy? Like, will it be weird for me? And I don't even remember a Never. single book anybody yeah. bought. <laughs> 
It doesn't matter. Yeah. Even though I still think about that when I go to stores sometimes. Know, right? And I'm like, I'm buying this giant sack me? of books. <laughs> and they could care less. Yeah. Another classic film released by Cohen. It's uh, Get Out Your Handkerchiefs from 1978. A film directed by Bertrand Blier and starring Gérard Depardieu. Yep. I'm not familiar with this film. Yeah, it won the best foreign language Oscar at that mm-hmm. point. And then kind of like some of those late 70s, 80s foreign language winners. They kind of faded a mm-hmm. little bit into obscurity. Wasn't really available for a long time. And now it's out again. It was a really well-acclaimed comedy at the time. Um, I mean, Cohen is the king of those kind of and films. And they're putting out a lot of this stuff now. Yeah. yeah. Where um, you look at it and you're like, oh, another Gerard Depardieu film. Know, like, how many movies did he make? Jesus, yeah, I know. It's hard to keep it straight. And for him, and it's weird seeing him in these older 70s movies when he was like a handsome. sex symbol. And, <laughs> handsome. and then you like, look at him now. I just think of him in like, Welcome to New York. Like, April 4th, like when he's stripping in the police station like oh god I was thinking of um, what is that Vin Diesel film Babylon oh AD god, where yeah, he shows that. up very briefly and he has like he's like um, double fisting wine oh, into Jesus. his mouth yeah. like, I guess he's living his best That's life what, he really is living his best life <laughs> so um, another Shout Factory release or I guess technically it's a Scream Factory release they're digging yeah. into the Hammer catalog they're actually they doing are, two yeah. this uh, week they're doing Horror Frankenstein mm-hmm. a kind of semi-parody of Curse of Frankenstein the first one from the 1970s and they're also doing one by the writer of Curse of Frankenstein called Fear in the Night Um, it's directed by him and I'm not familiar with either of those the thing about Hammer films is it always seemed kind of like intimidating I agree yeah it's been a hard (laughs) it's a hard world to get into I'm Mm -hmm. not sure where to start it's got a huge fan base and again like the creature features they sell incredibly well too and so many of these have been out of print for years yeah and and they were all kind of um, going between different distributors yeah, so it made yeah. it difficult to make like oh this is the definitive hammer box set exactly. you get a lot of like uh, yeah you got the Gorgon and you got Vengeance of the Zombies which are really good ones and yeah. I, if anybody's interested in checking them out I would start with those two because they are disconnected from anything totally yeah while you look at the horror or, of um, Dracula's or the like Frankenstein ones and you're like which one should I start watching there's like eight of them <laughs> uh, actually I really like Christopher Lee's The Mummy as well where right. he plays the yeah. mummy because he's kind of like a Terminator figure who like bursts through walls <laughs> to kill people. So that's always fun. Totally. Yeah, and I find anything though with even Frankenstein or Dracula in the title mm-hmm. sounds incredibly well. Really? No what it is. Even like, uh, what yeah. was the one Frankenstein? I think 1970. Uh, I think it's just called Frankenstein 1970. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. like a very uh, decrepit Boris Karloff yeah. creating a monster. Yeah. It's got Frankenstein in it. It's going to fly. <laughs> Frankenstein's monster. Yep. Thank you very much. <laughs> even though technically if Frankenstein created a monster, that, that monster being his son could have the last name of Frankenstein exactly as well. right <laughs> yeah. wow that was written really <laughs> so um, another Warner Archives release Jezebel the William Wyler Betty Davis film which yep. was the I don't know if it came out before or after but it was like the competition to Gone with the Wind it was yeah and I like it a lot more than Gone with the Wind mm-hmm. um, I mean Gone with the Wind is incredibly racist and are you saying boring, that Jezebel has Jezebel. no problematic yeah, elements no. <laughs> not to say Jezebel is any better in mm-hmm. that respect I just find it a little more I think Betty I think it's Betty Davis's performance that mm. really makes it for me I really love Betty Davis I'm a huge William Wyler fan yeah as well. and it's got a lot more art to it mm-hmm I find than Gone with the Wind. I know people would disagree with that. <laughs> you can and get I, the God is the Wind fans. I, know, I recognize you. Gone with the Wind for what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just can't sit through it. It's really boring <laughs> yeah. and horribly, offensively racist in, in a way more so than some of these other films. But mm-hmm. I agree the whole 
genre is kind of problematic of these kind of romantic looks at, yeah. you know, yeah, the, the good old slave times. You know, it's, yeah. it's not a good look. Problematic. Um, um, speaking, but if you want to see a killer Betty Davis performance. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, speaking of stuff that has been out of print for a long time and is back very limited to the Duke Mitchell collection. Oh, yeah. This is a big one. Yeah, because they released both of these films. This is Grindhouse releasing mm-hmm. that we were talking about a couple episodes about ago about... Uh, the tough ones. The tough ones, yeah. And they released these two films, Gone with the Pope and Massacre Mafia style, uh, as individuals four or five years ago probably mm-hmm. at this point and then they kind of went out of print and vanished and now they're in this beautiful two-pack box set um, and if people don't know who duke mitchell is he was essentially a dean martin impersonator like <laughs> yeah. he'd work in las vegas do shows his most famous claim to fame is that he co-starred with a jerry lewis impersonator sammy petrello in a film called bella lugosi meets a brooklyn gorilla right. <laughs> and it's right there in the title that's what the movie's about yep. uh and, but other than that he made the these truly independent films mm-hmm. that are articulations of, I guess, his kind of racist worldview. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> talking about yeah, offensive uh, entertainment, but and very uh, thick Italian stereotypes. Yes, yes. <laughs> but like Masker Mafia style is like a great exploitation film. Just it's got everything. Oh, yeah. I think Tarantino said that he ripped off the look of um, John Travolta and Samuel Jackson from the main characters. There's two yeah. assassins at the beginning of the movie, and uh, Gone with the Pope is a miracle that exists in any form because it was a film that was never completed before Duke Mitchell passed away. Mm-hmm. And Bob Murawski actually found the work print. Bob Murawski, the editor of all of Sam Raimi's films, yep. he runs Grindhouse Releasing. He edited The Other Side of the Wind, the Orson Welles film. Right. And he also edited God Was the Pope and yeah. put it together. <laughs> I think it took something like seven years before he was able to release it. Yeah. And now it's an back out achievement. <laughs> into the world. And God Was the Pope is about Duke Mitchell and his friends decide to kidnap and ransom the Pope. Yeah. <laughs> That's the plot. Genius. And I'm glad these films are available again, probably limited. This came out of nowhere. Yeah, it feels this is like. apparently a limited set. Yeah, it was kind of something that was just thrown together mm-hmm. on a whim. We only got notices that it was coming out like a few weeks ago. And we put orders in, and then they just showed up right away. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do. I think it is the older sets um, mm-hmm. kind of packaged into a newer, better set. But they are rare, and a lot of people didn't get those original sets, and they are loaded with features. Oh, so, so many like features. Like we were talking about yeah. Grindhouse's job. On it has a beautiful kind of like painted, uh, embossed image know, of okay. Duke Mitchell. <laughs> on the cover. Yeah. So don't pass up your chance. If these films sound interesting in yeah, any way. if you're a bad movie connoisseur, <laughs> yes. oh, it's definitely a precursor to like more modern, bad action-y exploitation stuff. Run to Bay Street Video and yes, pick it up. please do. Uh, there's a trio of films that was released and uh, this week that I was kind of interested in because I don't know them. They were released a few years ago, and I assume they probably never had a proper DVD release, and they're all from Indie Picks. Yeah. How would you describe Indie Picks? They're just, are they just kind of like an aggregator that put movies out? Yeah, so Indie Picks is this small, I don't know much about their mm. label, but um, we, yeah, they've been around for several years now, and they just specialize in releases of really small, obscure mm-hmm. indie films, hence indie picks, yeah. but, um, that don't get, that don't have maybe enough buzz to go on a slightly bigger label or something, but all of these are like festival award winners. Yeah. A lot of them do play festivals like Locarno mm-hmm. or like... The, yeah, the Artie Year Festival, experimental. experimental. Yeah, mm-hmm. so there are, like, you know, in TIFF, you know, they have the Wavelengths program. Yeah. This would be kind of the sort 
sort of stuff they would put out, which I really love. Mm, um, that's your bread and butter. That's our bread and butter. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> we don't always find our customers know what it is or anything, so mm. we try and push it out there just because we want new cinematic voices on our yeah. shelves. And movies like this generally don't come out. Yeah, because so like there's the whirlpool. I think it's a French film. Yeah. That Shot, shot in, in Canada, Canada. Yeah. because it's about like a relationship kind of disagree- yeah. disintegrating at Niagara, at Niagara Falls. Falls. Yeah. <laughs> I looked on the IMDb and it was shot in Canada on yep. the Canadian side and on the American yep. side as well. Yeah, uh, there's French filmmakers that did it. I, uh, there's also a film called Damn Summer, which yep. is like a docu-fiction hybrid. Yeah, we get a lot of those from mm. the depicts, which do well at those kind of Locarno-y type festivals. Yeah. And never have any kind of mainstream, I think, uh, no, penetration in any way. Oh, yeah. And uh, Pixalia, which sounded really interesting, which yeah. is about um, an Indian Uber driver in India who picks up a uh, transgender passenger. And it has, like, a video game undercurrent, from what I could yeah, tell as well. Yeah, it's got a really cool, really cool artwork on the mm-hmm. cover that has this sort of video game look to it. But, yeah, it's one of these movies, especially with this one in particular. Like, if you look it up on IMDb. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's like, not even one Letterboxd review. When I ordered this, they didn't even have an IMDb page. I don't wow. know if that's changed now. Yeah. But, um but then I looked it up and saw some fest. It did play festivals, mm-hmm. and I was looking up some reviews, and it is like well acclaimed, and it is like again different voices, and I don't know. They do. Ha- I know they have an affiliation with Amazon Prime because they have hmm. a Prime Video thing on the back. So I believe these might be streaming some places too. Yeah, maybe in sure. America. Maybe but... in America only. But otherwise, it's just really cool that they put these out. They do really nice jobs on the artwork, mm-hmm. and they're just giving more and dvds only too yeah dvds only which again is fine they are sometimes mod's mm-hmm. which is just a thing that is pretty yeah. common for we're, we're pro mod here we're pro <laughs> mod yeah but yeah it's just really nice to see this more obscure but really artistically acclaimed stuff mm-hmm. come out and we can like show people you know we can get people renting this stuff that would otherwise have no idea that this even exists well that's great that there's people behind the counter like you who can push this on people if they're like give me something different I mean you yeah. probably have people all the time that are like hey would you recommend something and then you're like what do you like and they're like everything, everything. and you're and like you're it, lying I to know. me and then I'll recommend one of these and they're like Mm, okay, thanks. And then they'll go, they'll go grab like Rocket Man or something. Like that. Yeah. I, Fine then. When sure. I used to work at a video store, I always go, "What are like, um, you know, five or of your favorite films?" Yeah, that's and, what I kind of start with too. And then you could be like, and then sometimes they'll be like, "I don't know if I can pick anything." Oh, yeah. And then you're like, "All right, let's go for the mainstream stuff." Then. Yeah, exactly. That means that sounds like you're intimidated to share totally. what you like the most. So uh, yeah. let's not, you know, be too challenging. <laughs> Do you ever get people that come to the counter and are like, "How would you recommend this?" and like throw oh, it at? God, all the time. Really? All the time, yeah. So are um, you fearless? Or are you just like, I'll just recommend maybe it? Maybe not so much anymore because just like... <laughs> I'm so scarred. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm fearless. I don't really care. It doesn't happen as much anymore as to when I first started. Maybe mm-hmm. just because people are... The people who do come are more open to like yeah. just experiencing things, whether they're good or bad, you know. They're mm. in a video the day, store. When I first started, yeah, and they were, we were getting more rental, just general rental customers, yeah, we would get that all the time. People would come in and say... I think you should take this movie off your shelves because wow. it's a bad movie. I remember when Ansan D came out, the uh, very acclaimed. Oh, Canadian that's a great film, movie, though. Denis Villeneuve. Somebody came in and rented it, and we have a board, a board with yeah. ratings on it. And they like put it reds. had like all whites on yeah. it, and, like which is our five star rating. Mm. And uh, they came in and they're like, this is ridiculous. You need to take those pins down. This movie is awful. It's just bad. Like, it's just bad. And we're like, well, it's a matter of opinion. Yeah. No, no, no. 
I, it's objectively bad. I, I know. <laughs> just you have to get it out of here. I'm like, for all well, the movie, that's not going to happen. For so. all the movies to like take that stance, Asan Z yeah. is a really <laughs> odd one. I, may, I guess they were just really put off by the twist in it. Maybe if so, they were I like massacre mafia style, yeah. take it down. <laughs> yeah, I see exactly. all white here. That I could understand. That <laughs> yeah. I could understand. You wouldn't do anything, but you'd be like, I see your yeah. perspective yeah. on yeah. it. <laughs> but you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of DVDs that were released by a bunch of companies, including. Including VCI of mm-hmm. very lesser known 40s and 50s films. Yeah. Um, VCI is putting out Beyond Tomorrow, which looking up the description, Ghost Fix the Problems of Young Lovers. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like fun. Set during Christmas, so yep. get the jump Ooh, on That's your, a good Christmas yeah, movie. Get, get the jump on your Christmas shopping right now. And then a company named Juno, which I've never heard of before. Yeah, they're a relatively new outfit. And it looks like they're going into the British catalog they and are. releasing a bunch of very, very little known films. Because yeah. this week they're putting out uh, Double Cross, which is a like noir genre film, yeah. Child's Play and Conflict of Wings, which are children's film, which have the most insane synopses <laughs> ever. Especially Child's Play. Yeah. <laughs> Children who manage to split the atom, thereby create a new form of popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think Sure. That, yeah. <laughs> Does it make them mutants of some kind? There's no more information. <laughs> um, and Conflict of Feathers being a Norfolk village spurred in action when it's announced that a nearby raft uh, station is taking over the island and a much loved bird sanctuary could be destroyed by rocket practice. Yeah. These are actually slicker than I expected them to be. They're not bad. Like there's not any features on no. them or anything, but again, DVD only, but they do again a really good job on the artwork. They have yeah. really classic kind of artwork that makes it look There's a little Juno Selects yeah, to make it Juno look like Selects, a collection. So it's actually like a line that people mm-hmm. can line up on their shelves and everything. I'd be curious to know like, because these are deep cat Catalog titles they that I could really find are. almost no information yeah, about. I had never heard of these. Double Cross, I'd heard a little bit more mm-hmm. about because it's got this noir uh, affiliation, but the other two I'd never heard before. We it looks like it. Um, they're made by directors that were often journeymen, so they were yes. like all over the place. But I know that um, Child's Play was directed by a woman director, Margaret Thompson. So I think there's probably interesting stuff to be discovered because like there the is. 50s is not a time I associate British film with woman directors especially feature exactly. film directors yeah they're announcing some interesting stuff uh, a couple months ago they also put out when they were just kind of starting this line a film called Penny Points to Paradise which mm. is a uh, a film that again like that they put that out on DVD and Blu-ray but that sold surprisingly well huh. for something that we didn't really know do you feel about. people and are curious about stuff they don't know because I, I know so. I'm always yeah, curious I'm like ha- what is that yeah and we do have an obviously an older clientele because mm-hmm. it is DVDs and they these kind of things do really well with them because I think it's stuff that they're, they pick up the shelves and like, wow, I've never heard of this, yeah. but this is like my Old, time yeah. Like, I like the, this kind of stuff. And they just <laughs> Old, take, like and, me? Yeah. I, <laughs> and they crumble it to dust, <laughs> dust with the DVD. Does this uh, <laughs> Blu-ray play on a DVD player? Yeah. How often do you get that question? All the time, man. <laughs> People bringing back Blu-rays that they just bought thinking it would work. Uh, that's a bummer. I mean, uh, you know what? Well. I'll have to admit, as an old person myself, I have bought releases I thought were Blu-rays, yeah. and I was like, no, this mummy collection is all <laughs> DVDs. No, no. I wanted The Rock and Brennan Fraser in high definition. Yeah. How can I watch them on regular standard <laughs> definition? I need to see every pore of Brendan <laughs> yeah. Fraser's face. That 90s CGI looks so <laughs> much better on Blu-ray. Yeah, The Rock. <laughs> yeah. Finally in high yeah, definition. Exactly. Like the Scorpion Rock. Finally in high definition. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, Raro Video, a company that I am always assuming is out of business. Me too. <laughs> uh, they've been around in Italy for much longer than they were mm. in the U.S. And then they started kind of infiltrating the U.S. Market 
I got a while ago, 10 years ago now. There was a period where they were releasing like giant special editions all the time. The Conformist was like a Hallmark release of theirs. Yeah, that's right. They did a a bunch of um, Euro crime films, Mm -hmm. like Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man, and like big special editions. Two Fernando de Leo crime collections. That's right. Oh, the Fernando de Leo crime uh, box sets are amazing. Yeah, very cool. And uh, they seem to just kind of pop in every now and then. It's like one little release. They've kind of slowed down Mm -hmm. the production. I'm not sure if that's because they just don't have rights to many things mm-hmm. in North America Maybe anymore. they stretch a little too thin. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I know they hold the rights to things in Italy, but they don't yeah. often have them in North America. But they're so. putting out a very um, late period Lucio Fulci picture, yeah. Touch of Death, which I don't know if it's a TV movie. It's up in the air around that time. Yeah. They make a TV and theatrical film. Yeah. I've actually I never seen it. it was a theatrical release. Mm-hmm. Um I've never seen it either, but I'm not. I can't claim to be the biggest. Luchino You're not a Fulci fan. I don't know, man. I what about the what Beyond? That's all experimental. You love that stuff. I know, and I've I've seen like you know ten of his movies. Oh, or okay, so you've I given him. Try, I've given him a chance. Oh, you don't like the Beyond? What I about? Just find his stuff gets so it just falls off the rails so hard in the last act oh it does I just don't and it's not entertaining for me though really the beyond like i just was getting irritated by wow i know it's so much fun there's so much like hallucinogenic images and i love zoom usually i love that yeah yeah like people like that's why i keep going back to his stuff Mm. because i keep reading about and thinking about him like i should like this stuff and then i'll watch another one like you know did you not like by the cemetery oh i mean that one's bad or yeah new Um, york ripper really i like new york ripper because that one is Sleazy. Yeah, if you really want to pick a sleazy, sleazy yeah. film off the Holy shelf, shit. Yeah. 4K on Blu-ray Which just from... came out recently. Yeah, <laughs> Blue Underground. Yeah, there's um, been a lot of Fulci coming out. Have like you checked out his uh, Giallos, like a lizard in a woman's skin? I actually haven't seen that one. I know that's, that's a good a big one. one. Yeah. So maybe I should get into that. Probably my favorite of his is Zombie, just because yeah. it's kind of ridiculous. But even that, I, I think Zombie's a little. Love, it, yeah, I, I think Zombie's a little overrated, only because it doesn't have that hallucinogenic quality no, I that agree. I love about I City of Living Dead, where like City of Living Dead as it like wraps up in the last 30 yeah. minutes, you're like, what is going on? Exactly. The zombies are like teleporting all over and the I place. And I know, and it's weird. I like that in theory, especially mm-hmm. with that one too. Yeah. And I just couldn't get ah, into it as sad. much as I wanted to. I know. You know. I feel like you'll probably come to me Maybe and you'll, you'll be like, I watched Touch of Death. This is the best. Yeah, this is the best one. <laughs> so this is put out, I believe it's a slipcase release, but I don't think there's any uh, special features, unfortunately. Yeah, usually they put like a bunch of special features. I know like their older releases, mm-hmm. like the Conformist stuff were loaded, but this one, yeah, just has like a 20 minute featurette on him. So You know what? I That's know. more than I expected. Yeah, and you know. the thing about Fulci is he has been documented ad nauseum. Uh, there's an amazing yep. book by Stephen Thrower called I think it's Beyond Terror. Yes. And there's like Grindhouse's release version of the Beyond Arrow Which is did. Very nice. Yeah. Don't torture a duckling as yeah. well. So there's like the I mean, Fulci content too, is all yeah, over the Scorpion place. Scorpion put out uh, Murder Rock. And, <laughs> oh uh, man, his flash dance psych- slasher and, film. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and the Psychic of two months ago or so. Yeah. So a lot of Fulci is coming out on Blu-ray now from tons of different companies. I so. feel like probably they either found a vault or yeah. the people who own the rights were like, ah, <laughs> like, the, it's the expired. Time. It's yeah. out on the on the market. Yeah. But the cool, the other thing with Raro is they put out really nice. Their slipcovers are cool. Oh, it's like it the looks original, nice. like Italian artwork and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's the, just really nice. The uh, art for uh, Touch of Death is actually really amazing. It's like a woman like turning behind and yeah, pointing, yeah. and there's like a weird ghost man with a knife at the top. It, the only thing that it's missing is the Jack Nicholson with a knife face, exactly, which right? appears <laughs> on I think House by the Cemetery and like a hundred other Italian <laughs> yeah. um, slasher films. So get. 
classy, though. Uh, Anozu film is being put out by Criterion. Yep. Uh, flavor of green tea over rice. Yes. You ever seen this one? I haven't, no. I'm no, actually, me neither. I haven't seen many Ozu. It's, <gasps> I know, I know. It's a cinematic shame of mine. And for, no, for no reason. Like, I'd really, like to rent Tokyo know, Story, please. <laughs> Mark. Um, but I feel like from everything I know about Ozu, I feel like I would love his films. Mm-hmm. I just have never gotten into them. Like I just did a podcast but. on the Important Cinema Club about Ozu, and right. we talk about it where we're like, it's daunting, because the way yeah. people talk about Ozu, it's also like, hey, you've seen one, you've seen them all, and you're yeah. like, I don't want to have to, you know, the, his films are not difficult, but they are kind of trying in a way, like an emotional way, right. and I can understand people being like, Man, I don't want to watch them, but I would still highly recommend that, like, listen to that episode, and we talk about some of them, like, the later period ones are more fun, yeah. and they're good entry points into his filmography, because if you just watch Tokyo Story, that's very daunting, right, yeah, from the go, yeah. and Ozu worked for so long, he did noirs, he did Harold yeah. Lloyd style comedy, so there's like a big, vast catalog that you can visit, yeah. um, pull from. And Criterion's put out so much of that stuff in box sets too. Of That's like art house films and his uh, family catnips. films, and even yeah, I know. <laughs> and I do hear too from people that I know are more into him that some of his films, maybe his later stuff, are even like more goofier than you would expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it is, which in- intrigues me too. Yeah, so, because for somebody who's such a lauded cinematic, you know, mm-hmm. icon, yeah, puts the camera really, down, doesn't move. Yeah, you it. don't really associate that with like goofy comedies or crime films or whatever. But. So as per usual, because I'm so excited about uh, cult and classic films, we've been kind of leaving the new ones bo- behind. So yeah. let's talk about Killer Synonymous, yeah. a film I have never heard of. <laughs> Me neither. But we're going to talk about it and we're going to unpack this right here. So this is a definitely a DVD-only release. Straight to, there is a Blu-ray. There, there is. is a Blu-ray of this. Is it released by VVS? Lionsgate. <laughs> oh, okay. Lionsgate and VVS. Yeah, I feel like they interchange the their titles. Sort of thing. Because a lot of VVS stuff is released by Lionsgate in the U.S. This is just happens to be wow director's commentary that means the people who made the movie actually care about it as opposed to just uh, dumping it to DVD so I see here uh, doing some research it does star Jessica Alba and (laughs) Gary Oldman is right at the front of the cover but but he does not star in this movie (laughs) so this has happened a few times with Gary Oldman I've found in the (laughs) last couple of years yeah Gary Oldman's been making a you know like anytime Gary Oldman is in one of these straight to DVD movies people just push him to the front yeah they push him to the front but he's clearly not the star of this it's some like British crime film. Yeah, it's a support group for killers. I, yeah, he must be some gang boss or crime boss or something. Or, this is the film I like. These kind of films I always reach for when I'm like, eh, I don't want to challenge myself mm-hmm. too much. What should I watch? I totally killers agree. Anonymous. Yeah. Even reading the back of this, I'm like, this sounds like fun. Yeah. Like a support group for killers. They're trying to unravel a mystery. Uh, I'd be curious to know if it is an action film because I feel like it probably isn't which would probably so. bum me out yeah a lot of these kind of movies too they make look like action movies mm-hmm. when maybe they're not necessarily that I wouldn't be surprised if this was more of kind of a low key sort of writer driven mm-hmm. sort of crime mystery puzzle sort of thing with like a kind of comedy yeah. you know comedic tone to it but they've just marketed they just see it as like crime or Gary Oldman's in there let's just market it as an action movie and call well it like distributors at some point decided that like people don't want painted covers they don't want anything no. stylish they just want the star standing in front of it. It's so boring yeah, it's and I so hate it. Boring. <laughs> and VVS really can be the worst with mm. that sometimes. They they have taken the photoshopping of stars yeah. to like a whole new degree. And that's like a top down decision, I yeah. feel. Oh yeah. Which do you think that's reflected that people are like, ooh, because the stars are in I front don't of it? No, I mean I'm not going to lie. These things do rent. I wouldn't mm. say they sell much, but they yeah. definitely rent. They're more of like a rental market thing. And 
nobody really complains customer wise about like how bad these like Photoshop stars look on the front of these. They'll just go for it. I so. mean, if they did to you, that would yeah, be really yeah. weird. I know. They're like, <laughs> go back no to the back about it. and, like, make, and yeah. make some more make covers for me. Better, please. <laughs> yep. um, a new film that also came out was um, a very critically lauded, and I felt like kind of like fell uh, between the cracks, which is Joanna Hogg's The Souvenir. Yeah. Um, are, uh, did you see any did, Joanna yeah. Hogg? Oh, you saw this one too. Well, I'm a big Joanna Joanna Hogg fan Mm -hmm. from her earlier films. She's been making movies for a while. It's it's interesting. She kind of got into it later in the game. She was basically in film school in the 80s in Britain with Tilda Swinton actually. Tilda Swinton actually stars in her um, student short, which is uh, concluded on a special feature on one of her earlier films. Um, But then she just kind of fell off and did a lot of just kind of editing work and just a lot of behind the scenes kind of work for decades and television too directing television, uh, shows yeah, until she had her first feature come out called um, unrelated back in 2007 mm-hmm. i believe and then another one called archipelago and then another one called exhibition so the, she had this trilogy that came out all starring uh, a pre thor tom hiddleston <laughs> who's actually really good oh, really? I, I don't really care for tom hiddleston whoa much, whoa, whoa a controversial opinion you don't I, like yeah, tom he's hiddleston fine. he's fine I don't know. you don't like him in that um, what another, was it like He's like Benedict Cumberbatch. To me. Like, he like <laughs> what was that? Um, Kenneth Bragna uh, TV show that he did that was based on like the Swedish detective. Oh, um, you know you have it on the shelf yeah, I too. <laughs> I should I should know this. Tom Hiddleston yeah, was in really that, bad, yeah. and I remember liking him. Yeah. Waller, I think. Wallander? Oh, Wallander, that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. I believe it was that. I know he was in The Night Manager, too. He's done a lot of British TV. But... It's okay, listeners. I love Tom yeah, Hiddleston. Okay. So, uh... I'm sorry to offend Tom Hiddleston fans out there, but he is excellent in these Joanna <laughs> mm-hmm. Hogg films, getting back to that. And they are really... I was a big fan of those early films. They're really low-key, just family dramas. Kind of mm-hmm. take from Rome or, or Ozu, actually, yeah. from what I hear. And very static cameras. And they're just, like, really piercing, insightful studies of, like, bourgeois families or bougie people and bougie <sighs> art types, which yeah. I know, you know, yeah. your tolerance for that. But this one that may vary. is very autobiographical for her yeah. because it's about a young film student who gets exactly. into a toxic relationship with another man. Exactly. And this is definitely given her the most mainstream success mm-hmm. so far. It's been playing, yeah, in theaters and getting a lot of acclaim. I wouldn't be surprised to see it crop up on some awards uh, lists. Did you the hear the, year. the episode that she did with uh, Martin Scorsese on the A24 podcast? It's really no. good. Okay, cool. Yeah, so cool. I recommend people, if you want to hear her talk about movies with Martin Scorsese, just listening to it, she talked about some musicals I had never heard about, some okay. MGM musicals that, like, I went and checked them out. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. So that's what I love about those kind of conversations. So, yeah, check totally. it out. They yeah. do not sponsor this podcast. <laughs> but they can if they want. Yeah, A24, please. please. <laughs> but the souvenir is excellent. Um, and her whole filmography is excellent. Mm. I would honestly recommend just kind of starting from the beginning and going, going through all of it. And I know the souvenir, from what she said, was like the first part of like a series. Oh, yeah. Because I think she already either shot or started I shooting so. the next one. So at right the end after. of the credits of the souvenir, they do have like the souvenir. Yeah, no. Return, look out for the souvenir part. Two. Really? Yeah, like versus the have, world crime? Yeah, league? yeah, yeah. If they actually. <laughs> had that so that's a really I know, funny I know. credit so that's cool and yeah it's shot on film and everything it's got a really kind of mm-hmm. gritty kind of feel, feel to, to it, it where her earlier stuff was shot digitally and everything so uh, speaking of Art House Catnip the Coker Trilogy yeah. by Abbas Kiarostami these films have not been available in North America like ever at least since the VHS days mm-hmm. um, and it's really exciting for Kiarostami fans who of which there are many and he's I love him he's fantastic um and rest in yeah, peace. Yeah, rest in peace, honestly. 
Uh, but yeah, this includes Where is the Friend's House and Life Goes On and Through the Olive Trees, which is probably the biggest one that's not never gotten any kind of release here. Well, so. that trilogy is all about um, making a movie yep. and then looking for the stars for that movie. Yep. And then I believe it's still about filmmaking as well. I think the last one, Through the Olive Trees, isn't it about like an AD or something like yeah, that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, My memory of them is really vague because I saw them like when, <laughs> God, like at a library once. Like, I, there were like... Like you said, ago, very yeah. hard to see for a very long time. Mm -hmm. You know what? I have to eat my words here because there's a new audio commentary uh, with uh, Myrna Saeed Vafa and Jonathan Rosenbaum on this disc. Remember I said that like Criterion doesn't do commentaries oh, yeah, anymore? Yeah. <laughs> but I think this is probably the exception to the rule because Jonathan Rosenbaum was also on the commentary that I mentioned before, The Magnificent Amberson. So right. maybe he's pushing that. And they both wrote Abbas uh, Kiarostami, the book, which is actually really good and mm -hmm. I would highly recommend for anybody checking out. Yeah. People don't know who Abbas Kiarostami is. How would you describe it without making it sound unpleasant? Because um, if you're like, oh yeah, it's just, you know, you just soak it in. The thing I find with him is, you know, again, maybe like Ozu, he maybe becomes across like this very serious and intimidating director and who's like really you know examining Iranian culture and mm -hmm. everything, which he is but I find his stuff very humorous oh it's he's very funny really yeah. good especially something like close-up I mm -hmm. find is a really hilarious movie and if people and anybody I recommend it to that's usually that's actually usually the one I get people to start yeah. with that's um, like the mainstream bigger hit yeah and even if people aren't into foreign stuff, art house stuff, I get positive reactions from that all the time from people coming out. And he obviously does a lot of meta stuff. Close Up is a very meta film. Mm -hmm. And a lot of his stuff is about filmmaking and yeah. about, you know, seeing yourself. The process or, and what yeah. that means. And, yeah. yeah. And it's uh, his stuff is just lovely. What can I say? <laughs> it's just really lovely stuff. One that you put on here that I looked and I was like, ugh, <laughs> was a film called Zombie Millennium. And Z I was like... Zombillennium. Zombillennium? <laughs> I think oh, it's that's, a, that's a tough one to say. <laughs> and it looked like, I just assume it was like an asylum film or yeah, something like know, that. Right? But it's actually a very cute French animated film. Yeah, it's a family about, film. About a bunch of monsters that work at a theme park, so they're allowed to be yeah, monsters and nobody yeah. notices. Yeah. Uh, I love the fact that like Blu-ray and DVD can still be a gateway to these international kind of family pictures that yeah. otherwise would fall right through the cracks because you know, who would watch them? Maybe they'd pop up on Netflix. Exactly. But that's right? pretty much it. Yeah, I find family films from other markets, European markets, don't always, yeah, translate over here for some reason. Or they, mm -hmm. don't act, they don't think there's going to be any market for them. But then, you know, a company will put out something like this and we get other things from Europe or other areas mm -hmm. before. And they do really well for us, and we get, and I think they are just as filled with as much imagination as a lot of the stuff you find in North America. If not even more like imagination, stuff, because exactly. they're usually independent production studios, so yep. they have much smaller staffs, yeah. and that way they could have a particular look to them. Mm -hmm. You emailed me, uh, I think yesterday, and you're like, we got these two new <laughs> movies in, and I looked, Let's and I'm like, uh, Waking the Dead uh, from 2000 <laughs> and Undercover Brother. Yeah. <laughs> we can't skip so by these. Universal has dug deep in into their, uh, their catalog to put out these two films. Now, Undercover Brother's a little more known. It's mm. like kind of, you know, a black exploitation parody that was before Black Dynamite came yeah, out. Like it was. The, it was like the studio version of something like Black Dynamite. So it's not as funny, I think, as Black Dynamite. No, I think it's funnier than people think okay, it is. Though. It's yeah. actually got a pretty, like, you know, people who watch it actually really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. It actually did well at the time. It always rents well for us. So, I mean, yeah. it's like... <laughs> 
it does okay. And I mean, Chris Kattan's in it, so you know, I'm a Chris Kattan apologist. You, are, you're a Chris Kattan <laughs> apologist? I don't think, I think Chris I've Kattan's ever met funny. one or assumed that they exist. Wait, wait, wait. Do you have a positive opinion about of Corky, Corky Romano? Romano? I have a. I have a lukewarm opinion about Corky Romano. That film haunts me to this no, day. I know. You did a podcast on it. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I had a choice when my school went to a movie theater, a big event for us because we lived in a small town. Yeah. And the choices were Iron Monkey or Corky <laughs> Romano. And no one was going to see Iron Monkey. And uh, I was like, I got to go with my friends to go see Corky Romano. And you made the right choice. <laughs> I did not. It's no, weird that I would be obsessed with Hong yeah. Kong cinema now. Perhaps if I had seen Iron Monkey, I'd be obsessed with Chris Kattan. <laughs> Chris Kattan drove you to Hong Kong cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Who wanted Undead I, or Alive? I will say I was very excited for Corky Romano to come out at the time. Um, Wait, what are the good Chris Kattan movies then? Uh, I'm a big Night of the Roxbury fan. <laughs> that's pretty much it, I mean, isn't that's it? that's a big one. Uh, I like him in Monkey Bone a lot. I think it's funny in that. Oh, that part of Monkey Bone is the worst. No, he's so funny in that. <laughs> And uh, Waking the Dead uh, is actually yeah. a movie that I like. Uh, yeah, I actually have a soft spot for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, not to be confused with um, the Martin Scorsese uh, bringing out the, the dead. dead. Or yes. there's like a British TV series that's very popular called Waking the Dead. There, nope. There's a lot of Waking the Dead yeah. or Walking Dead or like. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. they want to confuse people yeah, exactly, with like right? Waking the Dead. This is a very literate film from mm-hmm. a very literate director, and I don't mean that in like a uh, Merchant Ivory kind of way. Just yeah. a very thoughtful way. Absolutely. Keith Gordon, who yes. I really like. He made uh, The Chocolate War. Yep. He also did, uh, what was his World he War II Mother film? Mother Night. Yeah, Mother Night. Adaptation. But yeah, he did a Midnight Clear. Midnight too, Clear. Yeah, that one's really good. Yeah. People don't usually talk about him no, as a he, terms of a director, which is kind of a bummer. He doesn't do much anymore. Mm-hmm. I know he did the adaptation of The Singing Detective. Oh, like, that was ages ago. ago. And that kind of like killed his Hollywood career for a little while. Yeah, a he's mostly or? a TV director. He does yeah. like a lot of prestige stuff. Like he did a lot of Fargo, that TV show. Yep. So he's still, I think, flexing his muscles, but unfortunately the indie scene, it doesn't yeah, work for him anymore. Kind of, yeah, he was a bigger deal in the indie scene in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And this film in particular, I just really have a soft spot for I saw it when I was really young, and I just thought the whole vibe of it was really interesting. It's got like a haunting, kind of ghostly quality mm-hmm. to it for a drama that's mostly like a political drama type thing. Yeah. Goes between two time periods. Um, but it's shot in black and white beautifully, mm-hmm. and it's got really great performances from Billy Crudup and Jennifer Connelly. Billy yeah. Crudup, the guy that I'm yeah. like, Mark Ruffalo? No, wait, that's a Billy Crudup film. Yeah. Was Mark Ruffalo at Almost Famous? Oh, no, it was my yeah, good friend funny. Billy. <laughs> my good friend Billy, yeah. So, yeah, these are the kind of films that it's nice that they put about because this was a DVD that for a long time just yeah. disappeared. And I remember finding it in like an HMV bin years ago because mm-hmm. they were just clearing, like liquidating yeah. stock. And because nobody knows it. Well, and yeah, it was part of that old uh, Polygram Entertainment. That's you know, right. When they used to exist. Yeah, and then I think Universal bought that whole catalog. But they are putting out some of these. So these two in particular are part of their, like, vault line, kind of like how Warner Archive uh, okay. does their yeah. thing. It's like the Universal mm-hmm. vault thing. So um, they are MODs. But they're still, like, nice transfers of these films that do have fan bases. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you will become one, too. Please. All right. So I saw you put this movie down, Above Suspicion. Yeah, I had to And I was like, there. what is this? And then I read the <laughs> synopses, and I was like, ah, yes. This is this classic is- uh, Mark Hansen. <laughs> a police officer uh, 
partially paralyzed by a shootout in the line of duty, Christopher Reeves, yeah. is estranged from his wife, Gail, who has been having an affair with his brother, Nick, with Nick indirectly responsible for his sibling's condition. Yeah. So this is like so an erotic this, thriller, right? Sort of, yeah. It's one of those like mid-90s mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, erotic film noir-y influence thrillers. Really generic title, obviously. It's one of those titles you think it's like a remake of like a classic yes. noir movie, but it's not. There's a million but, above suspicions. I know, I know. But really, it, would, it wouldn't really be worth talking about except for the fact that it was a really scary precursor to the mm. accident, the real-life accident that Christopher Reeve had. Yeah. And that's why people do ask about it every once in a while. And, we, and it came out again from <laughs> CBS MOD put it out. Like so. people wanting to look at it like a, yeah, a car accident. He, you know, plays a character that mm. gets paralyzed and this ha- this came out right before wow. he actually had that accident, like weeks before. Mm. So, and it was one of his final roles. I mean, I know he did maybe one or two roles while he was paralyzed. He was on Smallville? Rear Window, that TV movie really? Rear Window remake. Yeah, Come which on. also uses his paralyzed state in like a strange mm-hmm. way. But this is, you know, kind of a pr- strange kind of... Uh, foreshadowing to what Have you seen tragically it? to his life. It's one of those that I saw on TV when okay. I was younger yeah. um, and always, you know, had fine positive. I am a sucker for those 90s. Yeah, you thrillers, love those, so, right? Yeah, so I think it's kind of <laughs> worth a watch for that. I Anything um, starring Shannon Tweed, you're like, ooh. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, you get Joe Mantegna's in there, too, you know. Kim Cattrall, Kim all Cattrall, the Kim Cattrall yeah, completists yeah. out there. So a new, another new one that came out is uh, Lady World. Yeah. Not that Above Suspicion is new. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm so, that's not a new movie. Lady World being released by Cleopatra. Yeah. And this is one directed by an experimental filmmaker. I probably have a feeling that you have a little bit of knowledge of, Amanda I, Kramer. Yeah, I um, I don't know much about her. As yeah, a but her shorts. Yeah, but I was reading about, I've seen this film, mm-hmm. um, and it was, yeah, playing a little bit around festivals and stuff, like Fantastic Festival. Yeah. Got it played here at TIFF. I thought it was Wait. great. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like this experimental Lord of the Flies type thing, but with a group of girls mm-hmm. at a party that they just yeah. can't leave because it's there's been like An some earthquake. sort of earthquake. Yeah. Although as the longer the film goes on, you're thinking, is this actually mm-hmm. happening, or yeah. are they just all losing their minds? Um, and it's mostly shot in like these long takes yeah. that are often tableaus that will sometimes zoom in to a character slowly, yeah, very slowly. very, very slowly. But it's also very funny as well. It is, yeah. And it has a performance by a pre-Stranger Things Maya Hawk. Yes, daughter of Ethan. <laughs> That's right. Well, people um, loved her in Stranger yeah. Things, too. She was like the breakout character exactly, and yeah. star of that movie. But the whole cast is filled with actresses mm-hmm. who are kind of on the rise yep. in TV or film. Or, you know, related to celebrities, which you know, yeah. happens a lot. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but it still keeps, like, a really independent spirit. It feels like that kind of movie. It reminds me of, like, a kind of movie I would want to make with my friends, like, at, in our basement or something mm-hmm. when I was younger. And But you probably couldn't I modulate think, it as much no, as this exactly. one is. This is very impressive in mm-hmm. the way, especially the way the dialogue is. It's very kind of... Um, stagey sort of in a theatrical way mm. and affected but in a way that really gets at the psyches of teenage girls mm-hmm. and what it's like to be a teenage girl and which I don't think is a, a perspective that is explored enough in no. coming of age films it's always dudes it's, it's yeah, always like and it's usually men directing exactly so, uh, so it's nice to see from a female perspective mm-hmm. and, um, and with an all female cast Amanda Kramer like uh, I mentioned at the beginning did do a lot of experimental films yeah. and like uh, friends of mine who are programmers were really excited about this movie when it was coming out and the only unfortunate about uh, thing about it is that 
I mean, it should be expected, but it's not a genre film. Yeah. So if you're expecting it to go in that direction, I think some people were disappointed. Yeah, I can see people's patience with it waning if you're expecting it to be this like... Like a breakout more, in gore or something yeah, like that. Or if even if you're expecting more of just like a straight Lord of the Flies type mm -hmm. thing, it doesn't really go that way either. Yeah, so. I really loved it. Me and it's too, one yeah. that I think when people would be like, what's new this year that was good? I'll be like, oh, Lady World, you should check that yeah, out. Yeah, so I hope it gets more of a following and I hope she gets to make mm -hmm. more, more movies on a bigger yeah. budget just to get her vision out there more. Another big indie film that came out um, this week is The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yeah. D uh, did you get a chance to see this I one? I did. Yeah, I did. And I really loved it, actually. Mm -hmm. I know I, I'm a little wary sometimes of these like big Sundance movies because yeah. I feel like they, a lot of the time they turn out to be like, mm -hmm. you know, like a little bit sunshine or something. Which is, like, yeah, quirky. Cute, yeah. Funny, but like doesn't really last. But me. this one. This uh, one really spoke to me, though. That was written um, and co stars Jimmy Fails is mm -hmm. like so. Um, like he's so invested in this story yes. like it means a lot to him yeah because he's like playing himself yeah. sort of a version That's of himself right. and he's fantastic in it mm -hmm. he should be getting all the roles and the um, uh, like you see him you, like the both uh, both actors that are in it as well and you're like do I know them from somewhere because yeah. they are that like a presence They're on really screen really dynamic yeah. yeah and like the direction by Joe Talbot is so stylish as well in a way yeah. that is uh, you know affected but not in an annoying way that's exactly yeah, yeah what I was thinking it's super heightened and everything and stylized and fantastical but in a way that really it's all it's about gentrification it's about mm -hmm. you know people just being pushed out of urban space yeah, in culture being pushed out of urban spaces, and that really resonated with me. I think more than anything, and also like, <laughs> like holding on to a form yeah. of nostalgia and, and what too. that means, yeah, and, and how that can be toxic as well. Yep. Yeah, so uh, highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Love it. And finally, a movie that I was not going to watch uh, before we recorded this, but just on a whim last night, I put it on, and that is the Banana Splits movie directed okay. by uh, Danishka Esterharzi, who we talked about last week. Yep, because she did Level Six. 16 yep. as well. She's a Canadian. Yep. Uh, the Band of Splits uh, movie being a sci-fi picture, I believe, because it was shot in South Africa where they do all their films. Yes. And uh, it's... I was never really familiar with the Banana Splits. They were like a cartoon by yeah, Hanna-Barbera in the 70s. vaguely remember it. And yeah. the gimmick of this movie was that uh, it's like a straight-ahead slasher film where the Banana Splits are all like guys in costumes, right. but they're robots, and a bunch of families go to a taping of the show, they go crazy, and they kill everybody. <laughs> I love this movie. Like, like in a way that I was like taken aback, okay, where cool. I was like, huh, what? It is just a great slasher film. Um, it's well-constructed. For the first 45 minutes, you just get to meet the characters and you get to like them, which is something that slasher films always forget that's how you make a good slasher, yeah. is that you like the people yeah, in the movies like <laughs> and you're invested in their problems and they're also, everyone is proactive. There's like a bunch of little kids in this movie and they're complete, like they're making decisions, they're trying to solve things nice. and it is packed with, pra every kill is practical gore, so people getting cut in half, someone getting oh, a hammer right. to the head. It even looks a little fakey in that good way, because okay. like they push the like, oh we want this to be practical. When somebody gets something shoved down their throat, yeah. you see like the practical, like they built oh, a dummy nice. head kind of uh, build up. And it treats the concept so seriously, and actually tries to build suspense sequence yeah. with stylish direction, which I did not expect. Yeah, looking at the cover you wouldn't mm -hmm. expect that. You expect yeah. it to be a joke, yep. or you expect it to be somebody who's not 
too comfortable with this, like a comedy director yeah, would exactly. make it. And that's not how um, Danishka approached it in any way. And that's why, like, looking at the reviews, I wasn't going to watch it because a lot of them are kind of middling. Some people mm-hmm. are like, I wish it was goofier. And yeah. it is goofy in the way that, like, it's treating these suspense sequences like, like suspense sequences. Yeah. So maybe people are like, oh, well, I want it to, like, you know, laugh at it more. Listen, I got a thousand crummy indie horror films <laughs> that are, like, goofy comedies to show you. Yeah. To see, like, like, this movie had enough money for the idea that it had. There was never a moment where I'm like, ah, this feels cheap. Right. And the best thing is, is there's some moments where, like, they cut away from the kill. And I was like, ah, what a ripoff. And that's only because they pay they it off later. And that nice. happens two or three times in the movie. That's really great. So this is one that, like, if someone says, like, oh, what were some good horror films? I'm going to say, oh, the Banana Splits movie. Awesome. Like, Because it did come out of nowhere. Too. Nowhere, like, yeah. No real theatrical release or nope. anything. Just, well, it was a sci-fi movie. That's yeah. why. Because I think it played probably, like, as a sci-fi movie premiere. Yep. And then it just kind of got dumped to DVD and Blu-ray mm-hmm. and, you know, people moved on. I think it's it, it's interesting that there's a generation now of filmmakers who are not people who are making sci-fi movies because they, like, fell down or yeah. it's just their job. But people like Stephen Kostansky, who are doing Leprechaun Returns, yep. who are approaching these films and they're going, I actually want to make something good. Yeah. They have not been jaded yet of, yeah. like, oh, you know, if we try hard, people will just care as much as if we did CGI. Like, yeah. they're like, no, I want to make something that is actually fun and I think that's fascinating and the kind of middling reviews of this bum me out because if I was a producer I'd be like oh well look at those middling reviews why do it all practical or why do lots of camera moves because nobody cares so uh, if this like a slasher film starring mascot characters (laughs) who it does the best decision is they also move like ninjas like they're always like in places that like they could not move that fast even the robots are practical like they're practical suits when they get ripped up and stuff like that that's really cool I would highly recommend it okay so that's everything this week. Wow, yeah. that was a lot of them. Woo. <laughs> Woo. Just sweating. Sweating in here. That's <laughs> yeah. oh, because the AC's off. <laughs> yep. So uh, now we do recommendations of our uh, just Blu-ray releases in the past that you would like people to check out. What do you got, Mark? I got a Blu-ray here of The Spanish Prisoner, the uh, 97 David Mamet film. Ooh, uh, David Mamet, bad man right I'm now. A, I know. <laughs> Great is, movies, yeah, though. Is he a bad man right now? Oh, yeah. He's oh, very conservative. Oh, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Well, bad, uh, bad recommendation then. But if you want to <laughs> no, forget, not a bad recommendation. If you want to forget about that, he did make good movies at one point. Oh, he uh, did. I mean, Heist, uh, yeah. House, I mean, of, House Games. of Games, which Criterion put out recently, yeah. too. Um, this one, though, yeah, The Spanish Prisoner is one I've always loved. It's with uh, Felicity Huffman, also a bad person right now, I guess. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, bad person <laughs> bad is probably strong. <laughs> yeah, no, like, fair enough. Yeah. Opinions we disagree yeah, with, exactly. I guess. Yeah. I mean, Felicity Huffman broke the law. Yeah, broke the law. <laughs> so, anyways. Isn't this one with a, a with devilish Kevin Steve Scott. Martin performance? And a devilish Steve Martin performance. Yeah, so it's it's a really great, it's definitely his wheelhouse. It's that kind of noir mm-hmm. sort of affected sort of dialogue noir thing that he's known for. Um, and it's just never really been available on a nice transfer at all. Mm-hmm. So it's been a really bad DVD. So there's this new company called Ammo Content, which huh. just started up. Weird. Uh, and this is their first Blu-ray release. They've been putting out some DVDs of some mm-hmm. new indie films, but this is their first Blu-ray release. There aren't any features on it, unfortunately, which does suck. David Mamet doesn't usually do that stuff. No, so they probably have to bring. Lot, uh, yeah. they brought a scholar in or something I like know, that to talk that's over. I what I would have hoped. And maybe they will as they mm-hmm. start to develop more as a company. But it is a really nice transfer.
for and it's just a really and it's a beautiful looking movie it's one of his best looking movies I think because it uses a lot of great locations yeah. and scenery and there's a part there's like a tropical part to it I um, love the Spanish prisoner in the way that like David Mamet is daring the audience to think one yeah, step ahead of yeah, him yeah. the entire time he's like I know you're trying to do this I know you saw House of Games yep. and you saw these other movies yeah. and I'm just gonna play yeah, with he's you he's like aware of yeah. what you think is <laughs> gonna happen like now so I'm, I mean he doesn't really make that many movies anymore but no. I miss these like they feel tight but they're not this one's 110 minutes but yeah. they feel like because of the way his dialogue and the way that he directs yeah. almost in a chunky way which yeah. is like nothing seems superfluous yeah. and I love that about his movies I agree yeah uh, I'm gonna go back to the cult section and it's a label that I'm shocked I haven't talked about because I don't think they've put yeah, anything out since we, we no, started recording coming out so look out for that and that's MVD Rewind this is one of those companies that I've basically made it a promise that I was like, I'll buy whatever they put yeah. out. Because I think it's basically run by one guy mm-hmm. and he just goes all out on these Blu-ray release of essentially like low budget uh, action video titles. Yep. I believe the label is basically built on the back of Imperial Entertainment, which right. used to be a very popular VHS label during mm-hmm. the 90s. And what they've been doing is a lot of Jean-Claude Van Damme films. Yes. And yeah. the one I'm holding in my hand now that I'm recommending is Double Impact. Double uh, the Van Damme. I love Double Impact. And this is a film that you would expect like a Mill Creek VHS kind of thing where it's just kind of like dumped on Blu-ray, cheap price. These are actually not that expensive for what you get. They come in a really fun kind of VHS slipcase to make it look like something in the 90s. And you look at the special features on it and it is staggering. (laughs) They get Jean-Claude Van Damme to do interviews for the film, which he's never never done before. And there's like... Almost every release they do has a feature length yeah. um, making of on them. Commentaries. This one has like a um, like a director studio with yep. the director, uh, Sheldon Ledich. I would really recommend one of them that they did. They did some Albert Pune films. Yep. And I would recommend those because I wrote a book on Albert Pune, Radioactive yeah. Dream, the cinema nemi- of Albert Pune. Yeah, their nemesis releases. To, yeah, to are, die are great. For, for sure, yeah. And, but they also did a really unknown film called Showdown yeah. that I enjoy, which is a Karate Kid ripoff <laughs> that starts the guy that was in the Raphael suit in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> nice. who looks like he's like 37 and he's playing a high school yeah. student but he gets trained by Billy Blanks who plays a washed up uh, police officer who's now a janitor at a high school it is as fun as you think it is yeah. and like you don't expect with those movies that there'd be like an hour long making of on the action scenes right. but there is yeah. and it's great so <laughs> I would definitely recommend checking these out I feel like these are releases that like in a year they'll go out of print and just yeah. disappear Exactly. So, and they don't, yeah, they don't get the same kind of press as a lot of the other cult labels mm-hmm. do. Um, but they do so well. And Double Impact is a really fun it, movie, yeah. too. <laughs> if you want to know, like, what kind of care they put into it, Double Impact was delayed for a while yeah. because the uh, producer of the disc was like, oh, we found deleted scenes and we want to make sure that they're on the mm-hmm. disc. So, like, this is not a put the movie out, drop it, yeah. keep moving. This is, like, labors of love. Yeah. And so we try to talk about a DVD release yeah. uh, every week that doesn't exist on Blu-ray, or <laughs> no. if it does, it's, like, forgotten. Yeah, and probably doesn't exist anywhere else. No, and we picked off 
uh, Forever Night, the complete series <laughs> off the shelf. the TV world here. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, you do a lot of TV we stuff. Do we don't really talk sales. about it. Yeah, uh, we do tons of box sets of classic shows mm-hmm. and new shows and anything. Yeah, TV's yeah. big for us. And TV is something that, like, a lot of the times you won't find on streaming because yeah. things like Prime and Netflix, they have their shows, mm-hmm. but these kind of, like, back catalog yeah, stuff. Yeah, especially that, the classic mm-hmm. shows. From anywhere, <laughs> classic shows yeah, Forever well, Night? No, even anything from the 50s to, like, the 90s, like, Forever Night does well. Mm-hmm. So. So uh, if you don't know Forever Night, it's a Canadian show, I believe. It right? is, yeah. Because it feels Canadian. And it's set in Toronto. It's not even yep. like Canada. It's not like Flashpoint or something. Like uh, Meet Nick Knight. He's one of the detectives. You better not cross. <laughs> this is a proto-Buffy the Vampire Slayer series about a detective in modern-day Toronto. Yep. <laughs> who, as um, in 1992. Toronto. Yes, who goes around as a police officer using, and I think he's a vampire as well, using yeah. his powers <laughs> to definitely a vampire. <laughs> and protect. Yes. And this this is a nice box for Mill it's Creek. Not bad, yeah. Because Mil- we were complaining before, like know, Mill Creek stacked their discs. Yeah, Mill Creek used. I mean, well, I think the discs are still stacked in there badly, no! but they're not in. It's in a little more sturdy of a box instead of the yeah. cardboard stuff they usually put it in. I mean, this is um, 12 discs. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's a lot. It's a lot. But the cover's really nice. It's got the CN Tower front front and center. Oh, there. wow. Um, yeah, it does. Like, in blood red. <laughs> in blood red. And I mean, if people don't know what Canadian TV is, yeah. uh, you'll see it's it. It's not and, good. And, yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's, a, it's there's fun, like a cheese. You know? There's a cheese to it. Wasn't there another um, Toronto set Canadian vampire show called like Blood Ties or something like yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> Dueling Toronto yeah. vampire shows. I believe that has a DVD release by Mill Creek as I think well. It does. Yeah. Mill Creek got on a lot of these Canadian shows because nobody in Canada yeah. will put them out. Or I'm fascinated so. by Mill Creek. I would like to yeah. know how they work. Are they a subdivision of another company? As far as I know, no. No. They're just, <laughs> they're just their, their own, own organization. Yep. yep. We get their stuff. You know, it's always just Mill Creek. It's not through another mm-hmm. label or distributor. So I mean, I don't I, know. we made the assumption a few episodes ago that we believe that there's like a genre fan. Yeah. That is like working for them, and a release like Forever Night would lead me to believe yeah. that that's what's happening. And right you know now. what? This thing sells well too. Mm-hmm. Canadian TV from this era seems to have a follow. We get asked for Canadian TV from this era all the time, mm-hmm. and we just have to say it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Yeah, and I doubt it's ever going to exist. <laughs> and then Mill this, Creek is like, "Did I hear yeah, somebody exactly. looking for Forever so Night?" Mill Creek puts this out, uh, <laughs> and our first batch flew off the shelves right away. Mm. So I mean. I'm There's saying, I want to go home and maybe stuff, watch honestly, Forever Night. I know. I think. <laughs> Can I stream it? Nope. nope. I got to buy it on DVD yeah. and if I, I want to watch it. I think it was out before briefly and mm. like maybe just season one or something. It was like released a in a way which I believe it was like, maybe it didn't do the whole series and it was like season one point one yeah, and stuff like that. they did that a lot yeah. back in the day. Like, I just want all people, of yeah, Farscape. Why do I have to buy four episodes yeah. and that's it. What is this, a children's cartoon? Yeah, know, right? Like, give it all to me. But now, a big box set that yep. you can come and you can have Forever Night Forever in its night. completeness in your home. <laughs> exactly. Alright, well, that's all the releases for this week. So for the first time on a Bay Street Video Podcast, you have a plug to make. I have a plug, yeah. So uh, for anybody interested, one of our employees here runs a trivia night uh, monthly at the Ossington mm. bar down on Ossington and around Queen. And uh, we're sponsoring it as well for next uh, next Thursday, September the 5th. 
um, at the Ossington at I think 7.30. Um, check it out. Is We're it a theme? It's a theme pop culture trivia Ooh. night. Are you good at trivia? I'm terrible I'm, at trivia. I'm I like trivia nights. <laughs> really? Great. Yes. I think the only uh, trivia nights I've ever been to were Simpson trivia nights oh, okay. where I was pl- like slammed <laughs> okay. by these crazy experts. <laughs> I've been to a couple horror movie trivia nights, mm-hmm. but I think it was more of like a general thing. So the questions were like really easy. <laughs> so you're so, like, yeah, like, let, let no me beat problem this. here. I'm not good with dates, yeah. which is a problem. <laughs> so if there's a lot of date related questions, yeah. I'm like, Ugh. but you know what? Maybe I should check this one out. But yeah, he's really good at this. He's been doing it for a while and we are sponsoring it. I'm going to have some prizes there and everything. It's mm-hmm. just going to be a good time. So Ossington, what's the date again? September 5th. I know it's the first night of TIFF, but yeah. you know what? Nobody goes to the first night. <laughs> Nobody goes to the first night of TIFF. Yeah. Screw Midnight yeah, Madness. whatever. <laughs> If you want to visit the store, where do they go, Mark? They go to Bay and Bloor. We're on Bay Street just south of Bloor mm-hmm. on the west side of the road across the street from the Indigo and the Manulife Center. And we're open seven days a week, 10 a.m. till midnight. 10 a.m. to midnight. Uh, Every t- It's just, you don't work the midnight shift, right? You're senior Not enough. Yeah. I do sometimes. Yeah. yeah. That's when the weirdos yeah. come out with a Justin yeah. DeClues wandering yeah, the know, store. Right? Don't, don't come in here past 9 o'clock. <laughs> All right, so until next week, my name is Justin Clue. And I'm Mark Hansen. Thanks for listening. Thanks. These movies and many more are available at your local video store.